Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City. From WNYC. It's Friday, July 21st. Here's the midday news from Michael Hill. New Jersey officials are suing the federal government to stop New York City's congestion pricing plan that would charge drivers entering a Manhattan south of 60th Street. They argued the government improperly rubber-stamped congestion pricing, ignoring it would create more traffic and pollution in New Jersey. That lawsuit, the Federal Highway Administration did not immediately respond to a request for comment. New York officials are raising concerns that young people on Medicaid may not know they'll soon have to renew their health coverage after being allowed to stay on public insurance rolls during the COVID-19 pandemic. WNYC's Caroline Lewis explains. This month, state health officials are starting to trim people from Medicaid, the Essential Plan, and Child Health Plus. The goal is to transfer members who are no longer eligible to another insurance option. Of the 500,000 New Yorkers who could be struck from the rolls to date, about three-quarters have taken the necessary steps to avoid any lapse in coverage. But among New Yorkers age 18 to 34, the figure is lower, about 62 percent. Health officials don't know how many have gained insurance through a new employer. Migrants who set up a temp encampment under the BQE in Brooklyn are getting new digs. The dozen or so occupants were relocated this morning to the Roosevelt Hotel on East 45th Street. City sanitation workers and the NYPD had dismantled the encampment hours earlier. The encampment went up after some of the occupants were booted from a nearby shelter under a new city policy. Singer Tony Bennett has died. He was 96 years old. Bennett was born in Queens in 1926 and started performing while he was just a teenager at amateur shows. Ultimately, he became a mentee of Frank Sinatra. The singer's longtime publicist confirmed his death. Bennett won almost 20 Grammy Awards. He was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2016 but continued to tour for years. Upper 70s right now and mostly cloudy, some sunshine out there. Showers and thunderstorms could reduce gusty winds, heavy rain and flash flooding today, a high near 81. On this week's On the Media, does the rise of X signal the fall of traditional right-wing outlets? You don't have to have this website and a link that people have to click on. You can just say stuff and you can get attention. You know, you don't need to be Breitbart to do that anymore. Also, what does decolonization really mean? On this week's On the Media from WNYC. Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts. I'm David First for WNYC. Tens of thousands of gig food delivery workers were about to get a pay increase until a judge blocked the city's new minimum wage law one day before it was set to take effect earlier this month. The new pay standard would require largely unregulated gig companies like DoorDash and Grubhub to pay delivery workers about $18 per hour, not including tips. My colleague Sean Carlson recently spoke about the legal wrangling around the new minimum pay law with Patricia Campos-Medina. She's the executive director of Cornell's Worker Institute. A few years back, the Worker Institute at Cornell did a survey of 500 app-based delivery workers. Can you tell us more about what you heard from them? 
we were looking at the working conditions of app delivery workers in New York City because it was an industry that was growing. And at that point, we had estimated that there were about 15,000 app delivery food workers. By the time of the pandemic, that number went up to 65,000. The top concern was low pay. Uh, it was estimated that um, a worker monthly expenses are about $2,345 per month. It turns out that at the end of the month, they might be making around $11 per hour. So uh, raising the minimum wage for these workers became the top priority. There were other concerns, the lack of safety, the lack of equipment that they get provided, and the fact that they take on the entire liability of the business model for Uber Eats and, and GrabHub. So the survey found that 42% of workers reported experiencing underpayment or no payment at all. Can you talk about how that happens? Because the moment you log onto a platform to sign up for the day, you are basically at the mercy of the algorithm. So you might get a job that is far away or might be $100 food order, or it might be a burger for $5. And the app company has a set rate for how much they pay you. Also, at how much you take home is depending on how much tips you get. What does a typical day look like for one of these workers? They begin very early and then very late to be able to put a whole paycheck together. Uh, they go from order to order. They are exposed to rain, heat, and for a long time, they didn't even have access to bathrooms. One of the victories that we had at the beginning of last year was that restaurants were mandated to actually allow delivery workers to use their bathroom. Let's talk about this new pay standard that the city council passed. Now, that passed in 2021. It's mid-July of 2023. Why is it taking so long to go into effect? The city, when it first was approved, it has been dealing with a lot of oppositions from the app companies. There was a period of public hearing. Now that is implemented, and now they're battling in court, and they're trying to claim that an increase in minimum wage will damage consumers. Uh, that argument, I think, um, is not as receptive anymore as it was pre-pandemic, because more, most consumers after the pandemic understand that our own welfare is tied to the welfare of low-wage workers. Do any other cities or states have pay standards when it comes to delivery workers? Other cities have tried. Seattle, uh, California has tried. And every time the app companies use legal maneuvers to stop any improvement on the conditions. Activists who work around increasing the standards for this workforce has always stated that what we need is a federal mandate to actually classify this workforce correctly. And the Labor Department issued a rule that I think is still under review to try to reclassify these workers so that we have a federal standard and it's not up to cities uh, to do it on their own. Is there still a chance for the city to implement uh, th this minimum wage law? Yes, there is still a chance. You know, the city has the ability to regulate local commerce. So it's, it's within their jurisdiction to create this type of policy. And in the meantime, I think the workers will continue to demand more, to organize more. They're not asking to make uh, $50 an hour. They're asking for a minimum wage that is comparable to the already existing minimum wage. 
Patricia, before we let you go, um, you know, you mentioned other victories uh, like bathrooms. Anybody who's walked around New York City knows how hard it is to find a bathroom to use. Um, what else are delivery workers saying that they need? Well, they ultimately need the right to organize and to be considered employees rather than independent contractors and to have a union that can bargain standards for this workforce. They also get assaulted. We have very, very tragic circumstances in which some of them were attacked and killed just to steal their bike. Because these workers are considered independent contractors, if something happens to them, there is no worker compensation. The longer we take to regulate them, the more workers are being impacted. That's Patricia Campos Medina, the executive director of Cornell's Worker Institute. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening. This is NYC Now from WNYC. Be sure to catch us every weekday, three times a day, for your top news headlines and occasional deep dives. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back this evening. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities.